Hi, this is the More To Do podcast for EAC, and I'm Lisa Mirable of Vertigo Media Group. I'm here with Robert Strickoff, the Chief External Affairs Officer. Hi, Robert. How Hi. are you today? I'm well, Lisa. How are you? Thank you for having us. Uh, it's our first podcast our, in 2023. I'm not going to say Happy New Year, but uh, I have to say thank you to Vertigo Media, Media for putting this together and uh, hosting this podcast. We're so happy to be here because um, there's always more to do. There is always more to do, and it's really our pleasure to uh, be able to produce this podcast for you because there's such important messages that we need to put out for EAC, making sure that you know we clear up some misconceptions while yep. educating everyone on the wonderful 114 programs we have. But today, it's all about CRAN. Yep. Now, do you know what CRAN is? Uh, uh, you know, EAC lives in the world of acronyms, so uh, I have to have it in That's front right. of me. Community Reentry Assistance Network. That's right, Community Reentry Assistance Network, and we have the expert with us today. His name is Tom Sheehan. He is uh, the senior director of CRAN in New York City, in the metro area, and he does so much more than just one program. I yeah. believe there are three that he manages. That's correct? Yeah, yeah, there are three, and we're going to talk to Tom, and uh, we appreciate the work that you do on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, so welcome to the More To Do podcast. Hi, Tom. How are you today? Great, great. Thanks so much for having us. We appreciate it. Absolutely. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, well, first of all, give us a little overview about you and what you do on a daily basis, because there's a lot. Um, so I'm the senior director of, of um, behavioral health services in, in, in New York. So it's um, I oversee three different programs that work with folks with that either are working with alternatives to incarceration or reentry services for um, folks with severe mental illnesses coming out of any of the city jails. So each day is a different day. <laughs> I imagine so. When you talk about reentry, right, into the community, what exactly does that mean? Is that something that the court order, orders? Because you mentioned um, two different two different ways, right? So there's. Um, so reentry is all voluntary. So um, what CRAN does specifically, and CRAN is the biggest program of the three, um, we work with the uh, discharge planners, social workers on Rikers Island. Someone gets arrested, they, they're found eligible for our program. So to be eligible, you have to have um, been diagnosed with severe mental illness. They present the program to you. If you're interested, we get a referral and then we start the process of meeting with the client while they're still incarcerated and sort of putting together their their treatment plan for when they get back to the community. Having that treatment plan is so important in their, in their success and actually in keeping our community safe. Is that not right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I mean, I think, you know, coming back from trying to reenter back into the community when, you know, you've been away for six months, for a year, for two years, whatever it may be having that stability and having that stuff already set up for you and having someone to help you remind you to make sure that you're going and following up and you miss your appointment you know how difficult it is for any of us to reschedule and all that sort of stuff you'll have a case manager you know we do case management stuff that that makes sure that you're going and we follow up and you know tom and lisa we're, we're hearing uh it's, you know it's 2023 right and we're hearing uh, mental illness and and rightfully so people know and understand that mental illness is an illness Right. Yeah. It's not just, hey, you know, this person is, uh, you know, a bad guy or, or a bad woman and, and, you know, they should be put to, you know, away oh. to jail forever. Right. Uh, we understand that mental illness is something that we have to deal with not only as in individuals, but as a community. What does that mean? You know, when when we talk about mental illness, uh, we talk about formerly incarcerated people reentering 
re-entering their community. How does that affect that person, their family, and you know maybe the community at large? I mean, I think yeah. I mean, it it, it literally it starts with you know with the client themselves if they feel if they're on the right medication, if if they're not experiences, experiencing any like symptoms and stuff like that, they may be able to work again. They may be able to get back into school. They may, you know, rebuild any kind of um, relationships with their families. And then it kind of expands from there. And then, you you know, you can be back in the community, um, you know, staying you know, where you grew up or, or moving. We can, we, you know, we help with that as well. But I think, you know, it's sort of it, it starts with the individual and it really expands and and the more folks that are getting these services and get the help that they need and you know help with job placements help with you know all kinds of medical treatment psychiatric treatment all that sort of stuff i think it, it can only you know have a positive impact on on the greater area you know lisa you and i talked about this we have uh, several podcasts uh, last year and one of the themes that we always talk about is jobs families and safe communities, right? That's right. Um, I, don't, I can't think of a better program that kind of wraps all of that up into one right. better than CRAN, right? right? right it helps right. them find their job. It helps them uh, be a better member of their family and a better member of their community, right? right? So right. All, right. all three kind of wrapped up into into one. I can't imagine what would happen to these people if they were just released with, without these services. You know, I read a s- scary statistic in, in NIAM that um, if you were incarcerated with a mental illness and you were out of um, the community and functioning within the community for a period of time, I, I can't remember the exact period of time, so I might misquote that, but um, when they're released, they have a less than 2% chance of success of living, living, of continuing their own life in a successful manner um, if they did not receive services coming out of a facility. So they need that continuing support. Now, that is a scary, scary statistic. Yeah, I, it's scary for that individual, but, uh, you know, as Tom uh, can probably attest to, it's scary for the community and their families. You know, we're, we're again, this is the EAC More to Do podcast. We're talking to Tom Sheehan, the Senior Director of uh, Community Reentry Assistance Network, CRAN. Um, if, Tom, if you can talk a little bit about what Lisa, you know, just mentioned, and, and, is there a difference in the in the boroughs? Right, we're in New York City, so we're in Queens, Brooklyn, Staten Island, Manhattan, and the Bronx. Uh, can you talk a little bit about you know um, the work that you do in each borough? So um, Brooklyn, Manhattan, obviously the two biggest um, in terms of referral sizes and and staffing and all that sort of thing. Um, in Brooklyn and Manhattan, we do um, a little bit. Uh, primarily, we do reentry work, but we also do some alternative to incarceration work, which we could talk to down the line. Um, Bronx and Queens has their own program. They have their own task program that does the, the alternative work. Um, and we just do reentry work there. Um, but I mean, I think, you know, the, the, the clients that we're working with for the most part, um, I mean, a certain kind of, you know, um, there's certain differences, but nothing major. It's really, we're kind of working with the same sort of population across the board. Um, you know, and, and some some programs may have um, more family like I feel like in the Bronx there's probably less folks that are going straight to a shelter where folks that are, are being released into Manhattan are going to more often going into shelters rather than returning home or returning to a family member or former apartment and stuff like that right hey Tom so could, could you can you just maybe potentially run us through this program right um 
I'm in uh, Rikers Island um, for whatever reason, and I'm going to get released, right, in a month. How does this work? Take, you know, take me from, you know, from, from identifying that I have a mental health illness and then I, I volunteer to, to sort of receive these programs. Take me through the steps that what, what the EAC CRAM program, uh, you know, goes through. Sure, sure. So um, you'll be seen by a psychiatrist, you'll be seen by a, tre- a treatment team on Rikers Island. They determine that you're eligible. They offer the program. If you say yes, we get a referral um, and, we, and uh, with some background information. We schedule to see the client or to see you. Um, we meet with you. We do our own. We do a full evaluation on each person, um, where we in, inquire about their their you know suicidal history, their any kind of mental health treatment, um, any kind of substance use. Um, we kind of do we do like a sort of a risk assessment on everyone just to kind of know what pop, what um what the best kind of programming may be may be for that person. Um, and then we, and we, when we also talk about goals for each person, we meet with the person and kind of see what they would like to do once they get out. Because if they're not buying, you know, if they're not hearing what they want to hear, they're not going to be, you know, they may say everything correct while they're still um, incarcerated. But once they get back to the community, they have their own things that they want to do. So we, we, we want to make sure that we, we prioritize the things that they're prioritizing and making sure that we help them. So, you know, we kind of, we visit them for as long as they're on, they're incarcerated, and then we, you know, once we know that someone's getting out on say Friday, we'll make plans to say, don't forget when you, you know, when you get out on Friday, come to one seventy five Remsen, you know, come meet with your case manager, and we'll start the process, which is usually getting your medications filled at the local pharmacy, getting your Medicaid, re- you know, set back up, um, setting you up with like making sure that you know when your treatment um, appointments are. And then, you know, we work with those folks for, you know, over the course of the next six months, usually. And then it kind of builds if, if everything's going well with your treatment and you're interested in getting your GED, we can help with that. If you are, are living somewhere that's not permanent, that, you know, we, you need help with accessing housing through HRA, we help with that. So it's kind of whatever each client needs is sort of what we do. Right. You're, you're the case manager. You're, you and your staff are the case manager. You know, Lisa, we're providing you know that network, right? That support services for for these individuals because their families can't do it, That's or right. can't or won't. They can't do it as as an individual because they're suffering from a mental illness, right? Mental health illness. So we're providing those vital services to make sure that this person is staying on track, um, so that they can get back to work, so they can get back to their family, so that they can make their community safer. Um, I think this is a tremendous uh, you know program that we have. How many, and how and many, I'm sure a yeah. lot of these families don't know what's available to them, right? So the yeah. education of what programs and, and, and how to help, yeah. right? Because mental illness is something that isn't, wasn't talked about until recently. It's become, you know, more, a more comfortable subject, but it is still very uh, faux pas in most circles to, to talk or admit. So, so understanding what's available for a family right, or, right, or right, an right. individual and, and how to access that, I think, right. is 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 not common knowledge. So the fact that you are there to help and guide and to support the family, the community, and the individual is is invaluable. You know, yeah. it keeps them off the street. It keeps them hopefully safe. It keeps their family safe. It keeps yeah. everyone moving towards, you know, a better life, a better way of life. And that's what you know. I think the 
is the most important thing that you do. I, I don't know how else to, Lisa, to put I it. I, I, <laughs> you know, I don't think that, uh, I think we, a lot of people talk about it in the media and whether, you know, the New York Times and, and maybe in, in you know, um, in, in law offices and medical offices and psychiatrists, they talk about that, hey, let's, let's, let's deal with mental illness, right, and let's understand it. Right. I think in the community, people still don't understand it. They don't understand it. And I think that the face of mental illnesses, right, some, some the, the picture that you have in your mind is someone that looks not like us. But right. the fact is, you know, Anthony Bourdain, yeah. who is a well-known, I think, person who suffered and, you know, God rest his soul, committed right. suicide. He was the, f- or is, has become the face for me for mental illness, right? When I think about someone... It's the guy that's a professional that's sitting right next to me that is suffering, right? And you and you don't know. So that that image that people have in their yep. head, I think, is beginning to change, but it's still this preconceived notion of what crazy kind of looks like. Right. I mean, think of what he had access to. Sure. And he can right. make it through. That's right. Now imagine the, the kind of, you know, the folks that are coming out that may not, you know, have somewhere to live. And, and you know, if you don't have a place to live, like, how do you even start everything else? That, that personal stigma. And that stress, right? That stress coming out and not right. having that support. Right. That, that stress, that, that, that alone is a, a burden and a, and a bear to, to get through. Right. right? That, that's the personal stigma of mental health, right? People yes. don't want to, to admit that they have mental health. Well, they don't recognize yeah. it, right? And so that's yeah. something that we have to work on, we as, a, as an EAC network and you and, and your staff. Um, how many, what, what's the numbers, Tom, what, what are we talking about in 2022? How many people, you know, have you seen, you know, how many people are you helping? I mean, I, I, sometimes that might be hard to quantify, but can you talk about the numbers, uh, you know, borough citywide? Tens of thousands. There was a time that Rikers had really kind of been um the population was pretty low unfortunately it's getting back up there so we're getting i mean we're getting more referrals but i think um yeah i mean it's got to be usually in the the high thousand to two thousand range at least in, in 2022 you're seeing between 1500 and 2500 uh, yeah. formerly incarcerated people correct so what is your biggest obstacle that you have in treating these people um i think I mean, I, I, I think access to treatment for the for the clients themselves is very difficult. There's not enough funding for mental health. I mean, as much as people like funding. to think about it, there's not really a lot of funding for us and for treatment. And like, so if we have somebody comes in and, you know, we try to set them up with an appointment, they don't have an appointment until March. Now, if someone's on a lot of medication, what does that person do in the meantime? Oh, geez, yeah. They get yeah. frustrated and they never come back. And then we find out about them when they get rearrested and we get re, re you know we get a new referral for that person so i think access like when they talk about like kind of funding these sorts of things like that's what they really need to do is have more access to services and to housing and to things of that nature you know and and programs like ours to kind of help folks access that right. i think that's the biggest part i mean that's the biggest barrier so Cran monitors them so to speak sure. once they're out right and right, right. so there's a there's a a path for someone to oversee them yeah. and keep them on their path, right? So that's amazing, but that takes money, right? Not all is. Right, I right. guess what you're saying is is right. the funding when when there's not available funding, you have limited resources, and that affects keeping the community safe. Yeah, and I think that's global. And I mean, in the city, it's not. I mean, I don't think you know. 
Crayon has has the support of the of you know the folks that we work with. Like that's not the issue. I think it's just yeah. having access to you know most of our clients go right from Rikers Island into a shelter. So how much more do you know if they were able to go from Rikers Island into an apartment situation or some kind of supported housing and stuff like that? How much of a difference would that make in their in their future? I think it would be. How long can you stay in a shelter? as long as it takes yeah okay. i mean there's people I'm that sure are if they shelter. like say okay every 48 hours you need to let another person in because we can't yeah. keep i wasn't sure how it works so yeah I'm sorry yeah. That seems it, yeah that's why they're kind of at their like kind of bursting point at that point just but yeah i mean it, it's you know the folks in the shelters are trying to help people get into, into housing and all that sort of stuff but the lack of housing it just kind of causes this bottleneck that people are gonna get stuck one thing that Lisa and I always talk about, uh, again, we're in the More to Do podcast. We have Tom Sheehan here, our Senior Director of Community Reentry Assistance Network for the EAC Network, right? It's the EAC CRAN program, right? That, That's right. That Tom, that Tom uh, uh, is the coordinator of. And Tom is a lawyer, so uh, thank you, you know, for that. And I, I, I want to also touch upon how you being a lawyer, uh, you know, affects your day-to-day -day work. But uh, two questions. One, uh, in the last, you know, 15 or so minutes, uh, you said uh, one word three or four times, and I think it's important, housing, right? Housing. Supported housing. Um, and um, there's a lot of housing being built in New York City, uh, you know, market rate, whatever, you know, they call it market rate, they call it affordable housing, um, you know, some luxury apartments. But I don't hear a lot of people talking about housing for people who are formerly incarcerated. And, and you've mentioned it three or four times. How important is this supportive housing uh, for people who are coming out of incarceration? I mean, I think it's incredibly important. I mean, I think if you if we put ourselves in someone's shoes coming out of Rikers Island, and how do you you know maintain a full time job? How do you kind of how do you get a full time job? Sure. You know, and you're you know the shelters are are incredibly dangerous. You know, for a lot of folks, and there's a lot of substance use. So if you're trying to stay clean. You know, and I think, you know, if we were able to come out and go into support housing where there is, um, you know, services on site that you're not kind of on your own and it's a slow kind of um, reentry back into the community um, over the over COVID. Um, I'm sure you, I don't know if you've heard about like the hotel programs that folks that the city was doing. Yeah. No. So, we just, so they were renting hotels um, across the, the boroughs. And having so in, in order to kind of stem the the spread of covid if you were coming out of rikers island you would go into a hotel rather than a shelter right right at all at a cost right to new york city taxpayers correct right correct. I mean, it's not free right but i mean i think yeah i mean it's i mean everything costs money yeah. <laughs> and bureaucracy yeah. costs money but i think um you know folks were going in right into those um shelters i mean into the hotels where they have social work in the in you know in the lobby you know and and had their own kind of little space, you know, we were able to kind of maintain better contact with them. We had better outcomes just because, you know, they were all, they were supported from the get go and not kind of sleeping in a dorm with a hundred other people, you know, who are doing. And probably, well, as well probably in fear, right? A lot of people come yeah. out, they go in the shelter, they're probably fearful. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it's not meant for anybody. I mean, I think, you know, everyone's on a continuum, you know, there's going to be some people doing far worse than you and some people are doing better than you. And you're kind of, it's, you know, it's, it's not an ideal situation for. No, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. When you talk about funding, uh, is, is that New York City Council funding that you're talking about? Um, or I know you mentioned, uh, we, we talked about off air about the New York City health and hospital system. 
where is this funding coming from and, and how can we help? Right, Lisa? I mean, that's, yeah, that's this the private, point of this. Is this trend. private funding or is this uh, more government support funding? Uh, how, how, do we, how do we help? I mean, I think the, the, the overall stuff is probably more city, state, and federal funding for these different types of programs. Um, I mean, I, I'm sure it's federal with different housing options and all that sort of stuff, I'm sure. Um, like HUD gets involved in all that sort of stuff. But I think, you know, everything takes moves at a glacial pace. So it's, you know, we need this like yesterday and it's going to, you know, we'll get it in 2030 or something. You know what I mean? I think there's so much that, that, that could be done, you know, and, and like the, the, the hotel programs are slowly but surely going away. And, you know, I know they were looking to kind of transfer some of the um, uh, empty um, office buildings in like Midtown into housing. Right. But what's if I mean... I don't know if you've looked at affordable housing in the five boroughs. No, no. it's incredible. Like you're saying it's not affordable housing. Oh, or? it's not affordable housing. No, I mean, if you, right. There's programs through the city that, I mean, I'm, I'm a senior director at a non, a nonprofit. I'm on the list of like these places and, you know, a one bedroom for, for my salary range is $3,500. Not affordable. Right. You know, and so, and I mean, the city's obviously, you know, it, but, but there's, yeah, there's five there's people in a one bedroom. Yeah, so obviously, it's not affordable. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it's impossible to, for you know, for, for folks with a full time job. Imagine if you're, you know, if you can't work and you're working just, you know, you're surviving off of social security or whatever. It's pretty right. difficult. So supported housing uh, obviously is an important issue, but it's it's not you know an easy answer, right? And I, I, Lisa, you mentioned it before. It's, it's about money. It's but always it, about money. It's about money and, and, and priorities, right? Um, so one of the things we talk about, uh, we talk about jobs, families, and communities. But in regards to the New York City budget, working on CRAN and, and helping uh, formerly incarcerated people uh, reassimilate back into their communities. With the good, AC. With the AC Network CRAN program. It's good for the New York City budget, right? I mean, it's, it's an investment in, in New York City that pays off, uh, you know, in, in, in the long run. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, sure. I mean, I think if you look at the cost of like keeping someone incarcerated for a full year as compared to just them accessing the services that they need, it's night and day, really. I mean, it's it's ultimately, you know, you're saving the city money, um, you know, by reallocating that money from paying for the person to be incarcerated for a year as compared to, you know, being an outpatient treatment and in supported housing for a year. This, I mean, there, there's absolutely savings there. I couldn't tell you the exact numbers, but um and i think yeah i mean i think it, it sort of will kind of ease the the strain on on the hospitals for right. you know that are working with folks that are you know consistently not receiving services that are using the emergency room as their kind of service right and their housing and their housing. you know i mean showing up you hear yeah. stories of folks that get arrested or you know get you know go to the hospital just because they need to get off the street for a little bit right. you know mm -hmm. it's sort of there's so many kind of cracks in the system that like if 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 the money was sort of accurately or adequately kind of um dispersed i think a lot of these things it, it would kind of make a, a a huge impact on the greater good for new york city not just because i know people get very kind of up in arms about like we're giving more money to this or giving more money to this and not to this and all this sort of stuff and i think if 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 everything was kind of reallocated a little bit differently 
that you would see the difference in your day-to-day life, never mind the folks that it's actually, you know, helping directly. Can you, um, Tom, can you illustrate a, uh, a success story for us? Can, you know, we want to see and feel the impact of, of your work. And I know you can't use names because of privacy laws. Um, but can you talk about, um, you know, a composite, um, subject that, that you and your team have dealt with and, 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 from being at Rikers Island to getting out and and having success, a successful you know reentry, sure, sure. Um, we actually had a, a younger person, so we work with anyone over eighteen. Um, he was doing really not doing well at all. He was he was released. He was using. He was um, you know having issues with his mental health. Not really you know taking his medications and going to treatment as he should. You know we continuously worked with him, followed up on with him. And sort of gave him the support that he needed. He, he, you know, his his attendance improved. His medication compliance with medication improved. And then we ended up having him come to one of our. Um, so we do like a case management. Well, we were do pre COVID. We do case management day where all the case management programs in the boroughs, um, Cran, Task, and everyone else would would meet and kind of it's kind of like an in reach kind of like a, just some folks would come do. You know, teach us about particular things, and we'd, or we'd have you know clients come back, and this particular client came back. He had been clean for like three years. He started his own business. He was like doing computer repair stuff on his, you know, and 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 the case manager that was working with him became like a program director and like worked with him throughout the years. You know, was like overjoyed to see like how much of a difference you know those three years were you know made for him, and you know right. he was doing incredibly well, and he did like a presentation for like fifteen minutes to a crowd of probably. 150 people wow yeah yeah telling the story you know and then and you know he's not the only one you know but it's it's you know that's amazing yeah right? but i mean it so could be he was, it does, it he was very matter. young yes yeah and then but he was mental services i mean it could be you know it doesn't have not everyone's going to be you know own their own business at the end of our program that, that's great yeah yeah <laughs> you know lisa I, I, if you caught what tom said he goes He's not the only one, right? No, he's and, not. I'm sure. It's and, one of yeah, we appreciate that, Tom, and and and, and that's a story that we uh, need to keep telling uh, to anyone that's willing to listen. Uh, you know, you Lisa, know yeah, God, I'm sorry. Mila often says, uh, "Angels walking among us," right? The, yeah. the people that work at EAC are the angels walking amongst us. Then, thank you, Tom, for absolutely thank you for what you do yeah tom i wonder you know personally is this work dangerous you know for your for your staff i mean they're going into rikers island which is obviously not a great place they're dealing with people who have mental illness who have you know a a history of whatever right i mean is i I hope that this is not dangerous work and i hope everyone that is you know safe and sound on your staff uh and that's just sort of personally is it you know as safe as like sitting you know like being a cpa probably not but I think you know we 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 build such rapport with the clients that you know they know we're there for their their you know benefit. So right. like we never, I mean, I've worked in this field for upwards of twenty years. I've never had an issue with a client threatening me or you know or you know. And I think um, what I always say, like, so we'll we'll quite often we'll have clients show up at our offices that are you know have been using or you know are unwell and haven't been on medication and. You know, a, to a, a lay person, you're like, this person needs to be hospitalized immediately. The way we always look at it, it's like, no matter what, as unwell as that person was, they still were able to find their way here to, to us. So we did something right that they were able to kind of get around New York City and get to Brooklyn, get to Queens, get to the Bronx, wherever it may be, to our office to seek help. 
we're not the only folks out there helping this particular person. They knew to come to us. That's great. Right. If, if, if they're seeking help, we're here to help. Right. And no matter what it is, but the fact that someone can find us amidst all that other stuff that's going on in their lives shows, you know, shows that us they want things. the help. Yeah. Well, you know, Tom, uh, again, uh, Tom Sheehan, the Senior Director of the Community Reentry Assistance Network for the EAC uh, Network here, uh, talking about uh, the different programs in New York City. You know, one of the things, and I know we don't have all day, and uh, we appreciate the time, but one of the things you talked about and we touched upon was the other programs that you work in, Manhattan Health, um, Mental Health Court and the Manhattan Drug Court. Um, what does that work entail, and, and, and how's that going? And, and, and you just give us an update on those two programs. Sure. Um, they're both going great. So those are, are alternative to incarceration programs. So these are these work with folks that um, that have uh, you know an open charge that they come you know the judge just, the judge or the district attorney decides that they're eligible for treatment in lieu of um, jail time or prison time. So we do full assessments. We figure out what the most appropriate um, services are for the person. We present our treatment plan to the courts, you know, and to the court parties. If they're all in agreement, we kind of make sure that that treatment plan goes into, pl into place and we, you know, follow that person for the, the remainder of their mandate. Usually depending, we, those programs usually work with um, felony level cases. So it's a year, year and a half, two years worth of services. So those folks for those two years are mandated to treatment rather right. than just going to, you know, spending two years on Rikers Island and back into the community to start all over again. They're sort of getting those services, um, you know, in lieu of, in lieu of kind of doing any kind of incarceration. Yeah, you said it's an alternative to incarceration, right? ATI work, and which is yeah, yeah, know, sort of a which buzzword. Do, at least right? does a, bunch right. of. a lot of people throw that an acronym around, but they the, don't necessarily know what it means. Right, right. right. The mayor. The, the mayor is talking about ATI and he talked about it in his budget. Uh, we hope, and Lisa's part of, uh, you know, the board here at, at the AC network. So we're going to be talking to the mayor and his office and his staff and the city council in regards to increased funding for ATI. So I, I hope that helps, um, you know, not only this program, but all the programs that we're working on. Yeah. I mean, the need is there. It's just the kind the of need the is so there. Yeah. Right. You know, it's absolutely, you know, I mean, I think, you know, the needs there will help, you know, less than the population of Rikers Island gets their people the services that they need, whether or not they know they need it at the time. And, you know, and sort of, you know, EAC is always willing to expand and take on more work, but we just need to have more people to do that work. And that's that's the only problem. Yeah. Hey, Tom, who are who are our partners? Who are we working with uh, with CRAN throughout the different bureaus? Is it, is it the is it just the jail system? Is it New York City Health and Hospitals? Is it the DAs, the police? Can you, let's talk about our partners. Who are our partners when we're working on this program? I mean, primarily we work with um, correctional health services for those clients. So we work with them, the social work, their their treatment teams on Rikers Island to make sure that the clients are, are getting what they need while they're incarcerated and, and have everything planned out for when they reenter the community. You know, we work with... Um, we work with the defense attorneys, district attorneys, the judges to kind of let them know that we're involved. Sometimes that that will impact, you know, the client getting out earlier or kind of having things in place that, you know, we'll work with the, the defense attorney saying, like, here's what our plan is. They can bring that to the judge and it kind of will affect sometimes the person's um, uh, court case. But yeah, primarily, you know, it's the court, 
court parties and and the folks on Rikers Island, and of course all the treatment providers in in the community. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, Lisa, I mean, there's always more to do, right? There um, is so much more to do. <laughs> so much more to do. Yeah, thank you for joining us, Tom. We really appreciate it. Again, uh, our guest today has been Tom Sheehan, uh, Senior Director of the Community Reentry Assistance Network uh, here at the EAC Network, talking about CRAN and reentry and, and helping uh, formerly incarcerated people reenter into the community safely, right, so they can get jobs, they can get back to their families and provide for a safer community. Uh, you know, thank you for your work. And thank you for educating us. Absolutely. Well, Robert, another great podcast. I yeah. have to say, I always learn so much from all the people that we have on and yeah. all the great work that EAC <laughs> does. And it really, you know, I'm so proud to be a part of this. And each time, yeah, you know, yeah. seeing and and understanding the impact that we have on our community. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, we it's always so enlightening. I know. I know. We, we can't, from the EAC Network, we can't thank Vertigo Media enough, you know, for producing this podcast and, and getting it out there. We ask that people, you know, listen to it, uh, like it, share it. Lisa, where can we listen to this podcast? Podcast can be found anywhere you listen to your podcast. It's on um, Google Podcasts. It's on Apple Podcasts. It's on even Spotify. Yep. And um, we even started a channel on iHeartRadio. So our podcast can really be found anywhere. And we ask that you listen, share. I mean, the work that EAC is doing is is important work. It's, it's work that um, we need to... We need to really share with so many more people so that we can get the funding that's needed to continue this great work and continue to make an impact in families, in our community, and and for the individual. So there's just so much more to do. Yeah. And for more information on the EAC Network, this program, and all of our other programs, go to EAC, www.eac.network.org. Uh, you'll find information on this program and the other 108 programs that we have, and really on the 64,000 people that we served last year. It's a, it's an, we have a huge impact um, in Suffolk, Nassau, New York City, and parts of Rockland County. Uh, I encourage you to go to our website. Um, there's a small donation program that we're running uh, for twenty dollars and twenty three cents. You can for a small donation, you can make a huge impact on the work that we're doing. So visit our website at www.eac-network.org.